What is up, guys? Welcome to the Typical Politics Podcast. And I hope you're having a great day because today we are going to talk about some politics, obviously. Uh, today we will be talking about Brett Kavanaugh. And we're going to be interviewing Carlo Testa, a civic social studies teacher at Early College High School at DSU. Do you have big dreams in going to early college high school at DSU? If you do, join us on October the 3rd, 10th, and 17th this month at 6 p.m. for our open houses. If you can't make this month, you can make next month on November the 17th. Welcome ECHS students. We're getting ready for our homecoming and homecoming parade. The event will be on October the 27th, 2018. This is the last week to get your homecoming dance sales. Please see Miss Ringo and Mrs. Savage this week or today. Um, so how long have you been a teacher here at uh, ECHS? At ECHS, this is my second year, but I've been in education for, this is year number 11. Hmm. So how long have you taught social studies or civics? Social study, this would be year number five, teaching social studies, slash civics. So uh, many people who are civics teachers and, and other schools and in general, if you are in a school, usually you uh, talk to the peers who teach the same subject that sure. you teach. So, who else do you work with in uh, teaching social studies in each grade? So, here at ECHS, I talk with Mrs. Gildon and Mr. Grimm, and the two social studies teachers. Um, outside of ECHS, I have um, either people I've worked with before or that I've known professionally who teach the same or similar subject matter. Um, and we talk about things like lesson design or some of the events that go on in the world and how we want to bring them into our classroom. So there's both some at ECHS and outside of ECHS. I have a question that uh, that's not planned, but I wanted okay. to ask. Sure. So I see teachers, especially my teacher last year, um, when it came to, like you said, uh, bringing real live events mm-hmm. uh, into the classroom. My teacher, what he did is every week he would give these like warm-up kind of things on pieces of paper that have comic strips or something like a satire, something like a satire or a parody of a certain event. Like when Donald Trump makes a certain decision or something like that, there would be a, a comic strip of that same event. And what we would do is we would tell what we think it meant. And every week it would be something new and we wouldn't understand it like, we wouldn't be able to grasp it like that. It took us like a revelation type. To break it down. Yes. So like, what is your views on how do you think you can bring that kind of stuff into the classroom? So I usually am very selective. Um, for example, things like comic strips or satire. I'm always very careful to make sure that the things that I bring into class do not give the students um, an insight into my opinion. Uh, I don't believe that my opinion kind of belongs in the classroom. About their opinions and teaching that. So I would be very careful about bringing things like that in because I wouldn't want students to think that 
just because I put it on the screen, it represents my view. Uh, I would want them to kind of look at the event mutually and form their own opinion. But I see the, the, the value of bringing in things like satire and things like that so that you can understand how it's portrayed in the media and then it connects to your English classes as well. So I see the value in that. Um, for my classes, I usually pick events in a very targeted way that go right with something that we're just learning. Um, more of as an example than as a satire or critique. So I kind of lean more toward the factual example side. Um, and I support English classes in, in other ways uh, without kind of bringing in those opinion statements because I don't want students to think that they are getting my opinion when it's really all about what they think. So um, that, that actually was very good. Um, but I was going to go into the fact that when you teach, right? So most teachers teach, anyway. But when you teach and you teach about certain events, have you taught about the Brett Kavanaugh? Have you even like went into that section when it came to the civics? Have you like showed it as an example? Yeah. yeah. Um, what we did was so it, it it happened that right around that same time, the civics classes were learning about checks and balances and how the different parts of the government had to keep each other in line so that no one becomes more powerful than the And the president appointing Supreme Court judge to potentially get a job in the Supreme Court is an example of the executive branch checking on the judicial branch and keeping it in line. And then the legislative branch has to approve that, nomina that nomination. So we use the Brett Kavanaugh case to say all of our examples for checks and balances. So, um, do you want me to repeat that? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat I'm that. I'm so sorry. I just okay. forgot for a second. I was trying to make sure. Um, so, uh, what were we saying? Uh, okay. So with um Brett Kavanaugh, we use the used his nomination to the Supreme Court as an example mm -hmm. of the checks and balances that we were learning about in class at that time. The, all three branches of government balance each other out so that neither one of the three becomes more powerful than the other two. Mm -hmm. And so when the president picks somebody to be on the Supreme Court, that's the president checking on the judicial branch to make sure that the court doesn't go one, you know, too far one direction or another. And then the legislative branch, the Senate specifically, has to approve that person before they can actually start working on the Supreme Court. So that's the legislative branch checking as well. So we use that his nomination and interview by the Senate as examples of the checks and balances process that we were learning about right around that same time. Yeah. We brought in um, some of the video clips um, mm -hmm. from different parts of the process so students could kind of follow it and see the branches checking on each other. In mm -hmm. Okay. So. Uh, what is your view or your opinion? What do you think on Brett Kavanaugh's case? What do you, what are you thinking about it? Like, how, how? What are your views on his decisions that he made? Not just before the incident, after the incident, during the uh, when he was up with the judiciary, the Senate actually, the Senate committee when he was up there being judged. So, what well, are your I think, views? I think picking a, a a great Supreme Court judge and trying to find the right person is one of the hardest things that a president probably has to do. Um, what do I think about Justice Kavanaugh specifically? Um, when he was named the nominee, I didn't really know who he was at all. 
I had not heard of him before. Or I was not aware of any of his um, previous decisions or court cases or anything like that. Um, so as a citizen, one of one of the responsibilities that people have is to inform themselves. Um, so I did some some background research just in my spare time into you know, who is this guy, what has he been doing, where did he go to law school, those kind of things, to begin to form my own opinion. Um, and I watched some of the, the hearings, Senate hearings, um, to kind of see, you know, what was his sense of the law and um, was he confident in his answers? Did he seem knowledgeable about the laws and about the way that, you know, did he have a vision for how they apply to the country and people? Um, if you're asking me if I personally think he's qualified, um, I mean, his, he went to some amazing law schools. He's a professor at, I think, three law schools and has been a judge at one level down from the Supreme Court for, I think, 12 years. Um, that seems like that seems like pretty good qualifications, like like on a resume to me. Um, if you're if you're getting toward the other controversial topics that came up with him, um, I, I have a hard time because I, I don't know facts about any of them. I wasn't there. And, um, you know, I know when they check his background, nothing comes up. But then at the same time, there are people who accuse him of different things. Um, I don't know who to believe because they conflict and I wasn't there to, to know one way or another. Okay, so I know most of the people that were researching about Brett Kavanaugh's case and Brett Kavanaugh himself and how he was brought up and he was being a judge one level down from the Supreme Court and... Uh, what I know you heard Dr. Ford's testimony. Most people, most people did. So, what was your views on her as on um, that testimony? Um, I think that when it's always very serious when when someone's accused of a crime that's that serious, you know, that nature is very um, obviously very negative. Not something you would want. Mm -hmm. if, if, if it all is all is all in fact true, certainly probably not someone you would want on the Supreme Court. Um, I mean, I as a as a human being, I, I don't know Dr. Ford. Um, I know what she told the Senate. I, I watched it, you know, uh, like many other people did. Um, that conflicts with the background investigations that the FBI did on Justice Kavanaugh. So. Uh, I don't have any reason to not believe her. I, I don't know her to, at all, really, and I don't know if she was telling the complete truth or maybe something is, is wrong. I don't know. Mm. I think it's a serious allegation and to be taken seriously. Um, and, you know, it's a difficult call to make if you're on that Senate Judiciary Committee. Very difficult decision about, you know, who do you believe or what evidence sways you one direction or another. I think to be accused of something like that is very serious. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think it's a good that th good thing that they took extra time to investigate it mm -hmm. because you want to be sure. Because, like I was saying, I think picking a Supreme Court judge is yeah. one of the most important things the president does. So, them taking time to be sure, or as sure as I guess they felt they could be, um, I think it was, it was worth that extra time. Um, but as far as I don't, I don't know who to believe. You know, difficult. Yeah, and when it comes to, like you said, about the president being, it was the most important job that he has, uh, nominating uh, the justice. The way President Donald Trump conducted himself as uh, Brett Kavanaugh was going through the case, the way he conducted himself before, mm -hmm. during, 
and the way he conducted himself after when people came up to him, the press came up to him to ask questions as he was walking. Have you seen his reactions and the way he conducted himself throughout? Well, I watched the um, the videos. I watched the I watched on live TV the, the speech where the president named Brett Kavanaugh as the nominee. Mm -hmm. um, I watched that live when it happened, and uh, I thought it, at that time in that speech, I thought he conducted himself. Uh, professionally mm -hmm. and describe his person and why he thought it was a good choice um, during the hearings and, and during the, the approval process um, I don't recall that, that the president was very vocal one way or the other he just continued to say that he supported the person that he nominated I don't recall him saying anything particularly outlandish with, with regard to um, Justice Kavanaugh the person um, and afterwards, I know that he was maybe, uh, I didn't see this part live, but the, it was explained to me that maybe he did a, a little gloating, uh, a little bragging that, you know, we won and that's great. I, I think it's, I, I can understand that reaction because it's a big deal for him as president to see someone that he picked get put on the Supreme Court. Um, I don't know if that tone is necessarily uh, appropriate. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's okay to be happy that the person you picked got the job, um, but you want to, I think, be respectful of the process and everyone involved in it. And I did hear, I did not see, but I did hear um, that apparently he made some comments um, pertaining to Dr. Ford. And at that point, I think um, respect needs to be shown to someone who, um, you know, has had a serious life event that they're willing to share with the public and that should be taken seriously and politely. Um, so I didn't see or hear those comments like live myself. Um, but you know, if that's, if that's in fact the case, I, I think that maybe, uh, respect would call for, um, not saying anything really about that person. But now that the matter is concluded, it's all over, voting has been done and everything. Um, I don't see a need to go back and, you know, uh, say anything about anybody involved in it, it's over. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, it was over and uh, how there was no point of going back. Mm -hmm. So, as uh, he was nominated, right, and mm -hmm. then he was sworn in, what the people's reaction was, was, mm, it's kind of hard to explain the people's reaction. But what I wanted to uh, ask is, what did you think when he went through all of that and he actually became the justice. Well, as a, as a civics teacher, I see it as the, the completion of the process required by the Constitution. Um, where the president nominates, the Senate must approve or not. So I saw that process um, come to a conclusion. And I was glad that we were able to follow the steps that are called for in the Constitution. Uh, as a teacher, that gives me great examples to work with. Um, also, given um, the reaction of many people, um, and the protests and things that ensued because of his nomination and approval. Um, that gives me more to work with in my curriculum as well about freedom of speech, the right to protest, the right to assemble. It gives me a chance to, what we were, you were asking before about um, you know, bringing real life current events into classrooms. That gives me even more to pull from. Um, so from a teacher perspective, I was glad to see those because the, the process be completed because then I can show it to my students as step one, step two, step three, here it is. Um, from start to finish, but then I can also pull in some of the other uh, pieces of the Constitution that they're learning about as well. Um, you know, as far as the people protesting, um, you know, as a government teacher, obviously the, the Constitution guarantees that right um, to the people. And 
they were expressing their opinion as is their right to do and to my knowledge they did it peacefully mm -hmm. um and anyone who you know didn't follow the directions of law enforcement was was arrested because you follow those directions the protest mm -hmm. peacefully yeah. um so i saw it as a as an expression of the rights that the people have mm -hmm. um if they disagree with the senate's opinion then they can voice that opinion if they disagree with the president's nomination they can voice that opinion. Um, so I think it's great. I think it's always great when people choose to participate and make their opinion known. We have a, a republic form of government, and which means that those people in Washington, their job is to represent us. And that depends on us, the people, informing our representatives of what we think mm -hmm. so they can do the best job representing us. So as far as people protesting and things like that, I have, you know, I have no problem um, with them expressing those views and, and doing so in a form of a peaceful protest. I have no problem with that. And that was basically what we were, uh, that's coming into what we were trying to get into. Okay. So we know who chooses the justices. Mm -hmm. We know why they should, well, we don't know why, but we do know like what's the process. Sure. So that's kind of like a why. And we know uh, how they're elected and how they're nominated first and then they are sworn in and all mm -hmm. that. So I was wondering, when it comes, since you are talking about the processes, and since last year I learned about the checks and balances, writing down definitions about checks and balances and all the processes of in the government itself, the state government, the federal government. And so I was wondering or trying to ask, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to the justices and their power, mm -hmm. All power is limited. Okay. It's part of the checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a limited power. Sure. So, if the if for the I learned it, but I'm not so sure about it. If the justices were to act in a manner that they were not supposed to, in which they're not, because they're supposed to be the kind of neutral type between sure. each uh, branch. Mm -hmm. But if the judicial branch goes on a rogue, and the rogue isn't so quite nice in the way that it needs to be in terms of the government what could the president the executive branch and what could the uh, congress also mm -hmm. do to change it well there's a couple answers to that question um i guess first and foremost um I, it is possible to impeach a supreme court judge i don't think it's ever happened um, but the Constitution says that they can keep their jobs as long as they are showing, quote unquote, good behavior. That's actually the words they use, good behavior. Um, what good behavior is or isn't is kind of up to the Congress. Um, but were they to not show what the Congress deems to be, quote unquote, good behavior, um, that leaves open the possibility that the Congress could impeach a Supreme Court judge in a manner similar to uh, impeachment of the president. With the president, speaking of, of the nominating process, if the president feels that the court is going in a direction that's either not good for the country or not making sound decisions or whatever, then the next time a seat comes open, they can choose the next justice and make them whoever they want. So they could get someone who maybe would take it in a little bit of a different direction or would think about things a little differently to kind of pull it back if they think the court was going too far in one direction or maybe overstepping. And then the legislature, um, they could always change the Constitution. 
you know, the legislative branch that represents the people has the power ultimately. It takes a lot. Um, they'd have to be very serious and there have to be a lot of public support. But if they felt that the Supreme Court was <clears throat> making poor decisions or going, you know, taking the country in the wrong direction or whatnot, um, there is the amendment process and they could write and pass a new amendment, maybe, um, for example, maybe uh, establishing a term limit for Supreme Court justices, or um, if it's on a specific law, they could just change it. Um, now, I say just change it, it's not an easy process at all, but there is always that last resort option if the court was kind of maybe uh, either overstepping or maybe making what the Congress thought was poor decisions. So there are some checks on them too. Um, and I guess you, if you're the president, you also have the right to issue pardons. So if he felt like the court, you know, convicted someone wrongly or other courts convicted someone wrongly or imposed too harsh of a sentence, the president can always pull that back too. So there's some checks in place and things to keep it all kind of balanced um, and to keep the court or other branches for that matter too from going off in one direction too far on their own. So is there anything you'd like to add or comment on? Any question that I've had made? Any mm. comment that I had? Well, it, it's always, as I would go back to the idea of people participating in government. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a positive thing for people, especially young people, um, to choose to participate and express an opinion, mm -hmm. whether that be on this side or that side or what issue they have or, you know, the belief in this, but not that, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, I think that our, our republic works best when the people participate in it and choose to do things like peacefully protest or use their freedom of speech or even run for office themselves. I think it works better. It does a better job of representing we the people than if we just sit on the sidelines as spectators. Um, so I, I think it's always good when people choose to um, make themselves heard, express their opinions, um, make use of their constitutional rights. So this is the Kavanaugh uh, nomination and, and Appointment to the Supreme Court is a great example of different steps of mm. both the checks and balances system, but then also yep. people choosing to get involved. Um, I think the more of that that we have, the, the better our you know our discussions will be nationally. I think the better we'll have. Um, you know, I think it's better to have more views out there because maybe someone's mind will change, or maybe you might learn something new. And I think that that's I think that's better than just having people. What who who you know who's on the Supreme Court? Oh, okay, fine. You know, and not really paying attention, not, not really being informed. So I think that the overall the whole thing shows us a lot about how our government works, shows us a lot about what the people are thinking and feeling. And it shows us, too, that a lot of people are aware of the rights that they have and choosing to use them. And that's guess. And thank you for uh, seeing me today. Thank you for your time. That is it, guys, on Typical Politics Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me, Mr. Testa. And uh Hope everybody has a nice day and you too. Thanks. Take it easy.